The story of the Good Samaritan is one of those ubiquitous stories everybody knows. You don't really have to be a churchgoer. If you told it to someone, though, for the first time, you'd probably say something like this. Once there was a man who was beset by bandits on the road. He was beaten and left for dead. Three people passed by. The first two saw and did nothing, but the last one was a Samaritan. He stopped and helped the man. So, the nice little Sunday school lesson is that we should care for others in need. Does that cover the basics? With a little prodding, you might recover a few more details. For instance, you might mention that the folks who passed by were very religious, a priest for one, and a Levite, a member of the priestly line, as the other. The very exceptional among you might dig down a little deeper and remember something about Samaritans. You'd remember that Samaritans were despised by the Jews. So now the point gets a little sharper. You help even the people you don't like. Sound familiar? The problem with this, like so many of Jesus' parables, is it's very likely most of us in here never stop to think again after we were given this milk toast Sunday school version told uh, to us as children. The point of this ubiquitous story is so much more challenging than just a blasé parable about helping people, you know, which you should do, but there's more to it. So let's take a dive in this text and uh, start to parse what's going on here. So a lawyer, in the first place, approaches Jesus and puts him on the spot. A rude thing to do by my Midwestern standards of politeness. Maybe not quite as rude by New Yorker standards. But it's even less so when you find yourself among a bunch of rabbis at a synagogue. Okay? In the Jewish tradition, questioning is a vital part of faith. The better your questions are, the better off everyone in the room is. Huh? Christians should learn from this. The lawyer asks a big question. Teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to be a part of the coming kingdom, the new age of God's reign on earth? Jesus questions him right back. What have you been taught? There's not a new answer. The lawyer answers with scripture, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Bingo, Jesus says, go do that. The lawyer presses on, who is my neighbor? Luke tells us this lawyer is trying to trap Jesus, maybe he is, I don't know, it's a good question. For what it's worth, I've heard a lot of empty platitudes about loving your neighbor over the years. You know, what does that look like? Who is your neighbor? Jesus answers with this parable. We've already covered the basics, but I want to try to hear what the lawyer is hearing. 
The first thing to understand about any story involving a Samaritan is that you are automatically not supposed to imagine yourself as the Samaritan in the story, okay? You, hearing this, find the idea of being a Samaritan absolutely revolting. Notice when Jesus ends by asking the lawyer who was a neighbor to the injured man, the lawyer cannot even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy. You are not the Samaritan. And that really matters. If Jesus wanted to tell a story about being a good person who cares for even those you don't like, he would have said, once upon a time there was a Samaritan who was beaten half to death on the road, and a good Jew came by and took care of him. But that is not the story he tells. He starts to change the feeling of what's going on when you are no longer the person dealing out benevolence as a moral, morally superior being walking through the world. You are watching someone you hate do good. You are the Israelites. You are not just any Israelite either. You're a particularly good kind you go to church. You know the scripture. You're someone like me, in other words, and I'm not talking about being a priest. This is a story about those of us with high-minded ideals and those of us who put following those ideals sometimes above the real plight of others. This is a story about purity in other words. It's about when the self-righteous zeal holds you apart from the workings of the world, excuses you from the messy kinds of relationships that dirty your sleeves. You get to sit on the sidelines and look on and say, it doesn't involve me. I voted third party. It's not my fault. It sets your personal private virtue is the most important good to be affirmed in the world. You can see the corruption in every church, charity, voting booth, friendship, conversation, and you leave ostensibly because you're better than that. You leave because you can, because it doesn't really affect your day-to-day -day life. And honestly, you don't have the time to engage with anything beyond your own career concerns, your life. Jesus is telling a story about when we believe the most virtuous path is to do nothing and abstain. Fred Clark says, that sounds absurd when stated so plainly, but in practice, in the moment, it's subtly enticing enchanting, intoxicating. It takes up the anxiety that comes from seeing others who are more deeply engaged and more fully committed, tempting us to see those people instead as mere morally deeply compromised and more fully polluted. It mistranslates their worthy example into the smug reassurance that we're better than they are because we are not doing anything 
about anything. The priest, the Levite, the lawyer, none of them want to make difficult choices in an imperfect world. None of us do. Jesus says keeping your hands clean and abandoning the responsibility of the world around us is exactly what keeps us from entering eternal life, the life of the kingdom that is coming. Jesus tells a story about a good Samaritan, a contradiction in terms for them. He says, you'll see the mercy of God not just extended to others, but one day to you. One day you'll realize the illusion of independence. It'll be your battered soul lifted from the road of the world by just the last kind of person you wanted to see. And as he cares for your wounds, it will be a sign unto you. The kingdom of God has come near.